Foundation and Bounce View to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. In recent years, we've seen athletes like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles advocating for their mental health and putting themselves before their sport. And though many of us fans may look to these athletes for inspiration and how we can show up more enthusiastically in our own lives, We have to understand that at the end of the day, we're all human and figuring out how to deal with the stress, anxiety, and pressures that show up in our lives as we see fit. I'm director of podcasts, Taylor Camille, and for Mental Health Awareness Month this May, if you happen to be listening in May, it's good year round, but we're speaking with licensed marriage and family therapist Nina Westbrook and Dr. Angela Charlton exploring the unique challenges that athletes face when it comes to maintaining their mental health and how the workshops and tools they've come together to create help competitive athletes move away from prioritizing performance only and to creating lives where they can thrive both on and off the court. Mental health affects us all, especially after the shift our lives have had since 2020. There are so many nuggets of wisdom in this conversation, whether you're an athlete or not, and we hope you'll enjoy and share with a friend and email us your takeaways at podcast at wellandgood.com. Hi, my name is Nina Westbrook. I'm the founder and creator of B'nai by Nina, which is a digital wellness community. We get expert guests on to discuss all things wellness and offer and share tips and tricks and new perspectives and um, raising awareness for mental health and wellness. I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist and mother of three, entrepreneur. I am Dr. Angela Charlton. I am a mental health therapist. I also do um, sports psychology as well. I work with athletes on the collegiate and on the professional level. Additionally, I do mental health counseling. I am the mother of a 26-year-old son, and I am the founder of a company called Cubics Consulting. Amazing. And so how did the two of you get connected? And can you talk about the work that has blossomed from from you two collaborating together? I met Dr. Angela 
in Oklahoma many years ago. She was actually the team physician, the team psychologist that my husband played on, um, a, the professional basketball team there. And she was essentially kind of there to facilitate uh, the health and wellness of the families um, along with the players. And that's how we kind of connected. And um, we became friends uh, Mm -hmm. through that. And also obviously sharing a common interest and expertise. And and we kind of things grew from there. That's very cool. I never knew that they had those built into teams. I mean, it seems obvious, but I'm glad to hear that there's that support because obviously it's not a normal kind of lifestyle. um, And so you need all the support you can get. We were definitely fortunate at Oklahoma um, that they had someone like me. Not all teams have that. I think Mm -hmm. uh, more and more they're trying to at least have someone um, that the players and staff and family members can rely on. But yeah, I think people are beginning to recognize that the need for mental health services in the area of, of sports with professional athletes. And I agree with you, Taylor. I was... Essentially, I was a a collegiate athlete um, growing up. I went to UCLA. I played basketball. We did have support staff available to us. Mm -hmm. Um, We would often typically do like a team building exercise where we might not see a therapist around um, on a daily basis, someone that we can talk to in between traveling or in between classes or whatever the case may be. So what Dr. Angela was able to do with the Thunder was really great because she was actually there at all times, making it really convenient and the access to the mental health care, um, very simple and easy. Yeah. And so then how did it evolved into these workshops that you guys are putting on for competitive athletes? How did it grow from just assisting the Thunder to now like applying this to other other teams? So I think Nina and I had like numerous conversations. And as she stated, we felt like between the two of us, we filled in a lot of those gaps between her collegiate experience being, you know, um, a collegiate athlete, her experience being a significant other, a wife of a professional mm-hmm. athlete, um, and then, you know, becoming a mom of, you know, uh, a young boy and initially and then two young ladies and just um, we just felt like between our experiences and me working with professional athletes that we had a lot of knowledge to combine and we had a lot to offer and we felt like we could start to fill those gaps. Um, We talked and talked and talked about, you know, doing these things together. And when Nina um, and, and her husband came to the Wizards, then I, I live in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area. So we had more opportunities to kind of put, you know, our, our ideas together and make some of those ideas come to fruition. Yeah. And so what were some of the gaps that you guys identified early on that you felt like were missing from what, you know, athletes needed to help them through everything that they face? Well, I would say there, there are so many things that drew us to want to be able to create something that is easily accessible to athletes Mm -hmm. um, and families of athletes. Number one, I was often getting requests from friends and family about someone that they can talk to about the struggles, whether they're professional athletes, collegiate athletes, or even at the um, lower level or younger ages, high school uh, competitive athletes. 
And also, as we've seen over the last few years, the rise in mental health awareness in professional sports, whether it be through Naomi Osaka or Simone Biles or or Kevin Love and DeMar Rosen of the NBA, I think that that need um, for mental health support and the athletes stepping up and speaking out about it, raising more awareness and and shedding more light on all of the challenges that come along with being these competitive athletes and professional athletes, um, we thought it would be the perfect time to create something that was easily accessible to most. Um, obviously, Dr. Angela is ha- is providing mental health services to collegiate athletes and professional athletes today. However, not everyone has that same access. So it was really important for us to be able to fill the gap and give a specific point of view um, and create a workshop that was going to be covering all bases of competitive sports, typically in competitive sports. And I know Dr. Angela can talk to, can, can speak to this, but the focus is the physical um, output. It's what we are achieving um, physically, if whether we're winning games or losing games, um, whether we're injured or not. But what it really takes, if you talk to any successful um, collegiate athlete, what it really takes is a balance between the psychological, emotional, social wellness, and the physical wellness. You have to be healthy physically to be able to compete. But in order to compete at a high level constantly and continuously, you have to be mentally strong and mentally fit in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And just to add on to what Nina was saying, what we found a lot of teams spend a lot of money with a nutritionist, a chef, um, somebody to help the athletes physically in the weight room. And as Nina stated, with all the physical components, your mind controls all of those things. So your body is not going to give up before your mind tells it to. So your mind is what is saying, I can't go any further. I can't push through. Or your mind is keeping you from focusing on those physical things that you need to focus on, whether it be on the court, on a field, what have you. Um, And so we saw like that gap in the importance to get to work on your mental skills and to get your mind straight because we recognize, as many people do, the importance of that. However, it's not always um, the amount of attention that's actually or resources that's put into that. And we wanted, as Nina stated, a program that was uh, accessible, that kind of hit all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I know it's probably really like nuanced, but could you give an overview of the program and kind of how you enter these spaces and what you really identify as like the go-to that you need to like first start off with, especially for people who might not have put as much energy into their mental health. And then also some feedback that you've received just from doing these workshops. The overview of the program is to, like what we wanted to do is give you actionable things and tips and techniques to incorporate Mm -hmm. into um, your daily life and your daily routine as a competitive athlete. Um, if you take the workshop, you will be kind of forced to recognize what it is that fuels you outside of competitive sports, um, what energizes you, where your support system lies, and all of the things that 
help to create a healthy mental and social and emotional well-being. I mean, human being, right? Mm-hmm. And we try to emphasize that without these things, you without this strong social um, network or without the um, emotional support that you need, the pressures that come along with being a, an athlete and a competitive athlete, especially in today's socially social media driven society, have a lot of experience with how strongly people feel about competitive sports in mm-hmm. in in this country. So, or in in uh, across the world, really, and yeah. so. Now, as collegiate athletes, especially, the amount of pressure and the amount of recognition and the amount of attention that is on these young athletes who are still developing and trying to figure out who they are, um, who their friends are, what, what who they are themselves, um, and incorporate, you know, the academic portion of being a competitive athlete if you're not at the professional level, whether you're in high school or in college, um, the social aspect, do you have friends? Are you able to maintain friendships? Um, Are you able to maintain your uh, support from your family and do the things that you want to do outside of sports? And I think that what the workshop is doing is helping to conceptualize um, what that means for each individual and help foster Mm -hmm. those relationships and those needs outside of sports. And then from an athletic standpoint, I'll let Dr. Angela kind of speak to that. And so one of the things too um, is just, we wanted to make sure they had like practical tools, like Nina stated, like, and the other thing we want to emphasize is that you don't have to have anything wrong with you to be able Mm -hmm. to learn these skills and to have these tools. And I think that's one of the misconceptions that we wanted to clear up. We want, you have a lot on your plate as a professional athlete, as a collegiate athlete to try to balance. And we want to give you the tools to be able to balance some of those things. Um, And that's really what our workshop is about. We recognize the importance of having practical tools to be able to do that so that when you face those tremendous, you know, times of stress or those transitions, you know how to handle those transitions. And what I found a lot of athletes, their stress management tool is their sport. So what if Mm -hmm. that sport's taken away? What if you get injured or for some reason you can't play? Now you don't have any way to manage that stress. So we wanted to help them identify some of those things. And a lot of times, People have those tools. It's just giving them the knowledge to figure out kind of how to use them um, in, you know, the the ways that we're speaking of. Um, And so that's that's what I think kind of stands out with our workshop as well um, is it's just I think it's very practical. Yeah. And what I feel like I'm getting from what both of you have said is that it's I think as athletes, it's hard for them to separate themselves from their sport and to remember that they're a human being first. And so mm-hmm. it's good that we're able to give them the space. And I think I even think about the pandemic and any social movements that have happened where so many people have just said, well, just dribble the ball or just like do your sport. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair to the human who is trying to perform at their highest level. And so I think programs like this are definitely necessary. You brought up that stigma conversation of like, you don't have to be like, nothing has to be wrong for you to prioritize this. Can you kind of elaborate on that and how we can kind of reduce the stigma around mental health and mental illness and mental well-being? 
I think that there there's a separation between mental illness and mental health and mental wellness. Uh, mental mm-hmm. illness is one thing um, that is very it's very it has a medical base and it is research based. Um, which mental wellness is as well, but I would like to say that our mental wellness and our mental health has is more of a idea and it's something that we are impacted, like our daily lives are impacted by our mental health and wellness. Um, mm-hmm. Like with B'nai by Nina, my goal is to kind of focus on showing up and showing mental health and mental wellness in a way that is digestible, number one. And that helps people to understand how much their mental health and wellness is affected every single day throughout the day. And that it's not a this or that type of situation. You're not mentally ill just because you're focusing or working on your mental health and wellness. Um, Most people don't even know who are not aware that they're working on their mental health and wellness. Like they think they're going to the gym because they want to get a good workout in when really the mental health implications of going to the gym are a a, a huge benefit to them. And so it's just about education Mm -hmm. and spreading the knowledge and the awareness of of how our our mental health impacts us every day and making it less of a taboo discussion and making it less of a, like a, like a stigma um, when it comes to mental illness, because you can have anxious feelings and doesn't mean that you suffer from anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. We all kind Mm -hmm. of go through different variations of nerves, whether we want to call them nerves or, you know, um, jitters or whatever the case may be every single day, there are ups and downs and our life circumstances and the things that we're going through on a daily basis are going to impact how, um, much coping that we're going to need to do in order to manage those feelings and those emotions. Um, and there are simple things that we can do to manage those feelings and emotions and, all that people need is the information to be able to implement them. Yeah. Dr. Angela, do you have anything to add? I um, just wanted to add, you know, as as Taylor, as you pointed out, a lot of people identify with athletes as, you know, that it's not just that the athlete identifies themselves as, you know, the person playing the sport. It is that society and everybody else does that same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think you made a good point that, They are individuals and humans first and everyday life doesn't stop. So you have those same stressors, as Nina stated, those everyday things that make us feel anxious. That doesn't necessarily mean we have a disorder, but that you have to deal with. But they have to deal with it in the public light. So Mm -hmm. we deal with those things and people don't know. So say we, you know, we might deal with a situation where we lose somebody. You mentioned the pandemic everybody either lost somebody or was connected or knew somebody that lost somebody. And we would be able to mourn and deal with those issues or if there was a relationship issue, a divorce or something like that in our private moments. If you're a professional athlete, particularly, and even like collegiate athletes, everybody knows what's going on. And then they Mm -hmm. expect you to not have any emotional reactions. They expect you to just get out on that court and not handle and deal with those things. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's important to remember they're human, they're young men, they're young women. They 
are dealing with the same life issues that we are just not in the public um, sector. And, you know, we want our program to help them handle those things. And related to the stigma, um, I think because many individuals have been outspoken about their struggles, it's helping to normalize that I'm struggling with this and it's okay. Like, it's okay to say, I can't handle everything. I'm human. I'm struggling. I need help. I need tools to deal with this. Again, it doesn't mean that you have a diagnosed mental illness. It just means at times that you need to learn how to handle some of those things that we are often taught just to push them under the rug and, you know, just keep going. And many of us do that. But then sometimes those things, we can no longer push them under the rug and they come to the surface and we don't know how Mm -hmm. to deal with it. Yeah. Dr. Angela, could you share with us some practical, you know, self-care strategies or things that we can do to improve our mental well-being during difficult times? Sure. Um, so I have a I'll give you a couple of, you know, just really practical things. I think that a lot of times we feel like that it has to be like this big grand thing that we do. But on a daily basis, there are just things that we can deal with stress. Exercise is just something that, you know, whether you're an athlete or not an athlete, just doing like a net regular routine of exercise. I think the other thing that I really am a big uh, proponent of mindfulness, you know, the major things to remember about mindfulness is being in the moment. It's a non-judgmental stance that you take for things and breathing is a huge part of mindfulness. And so we do a lot. I, I work with a lot of clients. The first thing that I teach them is, you know, a breathing technique and to be able to use um, diaphragmatic or breathing from your abdomen as opposed to your chest because it physically relaxes our bodies. That's really important. And then I do like some quick minute. How can you add mindfulness into like your daily activities? So I like to use, it's called the grounding technique. And, you know, when it, it just grounds you in the present moment. And the way we're grounded in the present moment is just to utilize your senses. So, you know, in the mornings, I I suggest to my client, when you hop in the shower, take a mindfulness shower and just pay attention, utilize your senses. How does, what does it smell? I'm big on like soap smells and candle smells and that puts me in a good place. So what are you smelling? Like what, what's your soap smell like today? Um, How does the water feel like hitting your body? Pay attention to that. What sounds do you hear? Take, pay attention to that. You're probably, hopefully not going to utilize your sense of taste while you're in the, the shower. Hopefully you're not eating, you know, soap. Um, but I eat, in the, I eat snacks in the shower if I'm on the go and I don't have a ton of time. I don't know. Okay. Good mean and you eat snacks on the go. I brush teeth in the shower. Yeah. I floss in the shower. So yeah. She does her whole morning cleaner. routine in the shower. Yes. But it helps you. Activate those other senses. So that's a that's a really great thing. So it takes away from where your mind is with that rush and brings you in the present moment. So the other mm-hmm. thing, a lot of times when we're in the shower, we're doing all those things where our mind is like, oh, I got to do this when I get to work and my boss is upset and I'm sad. OK, accept those feelings, but kick them out. Nope, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay in this present moment to enjoy this shower at the time. And one of the things that I do also is I love, love, love Asana um, Mm -hmm. because that is my place 
to, you know, for me, it was a place to go and pray. It's a place for me to like settle down, to get my mind right. And I want to share with everybody, that was something that was hard for me to do. The first time I started going in the sauna, I was like, "Mm, all right, I've been in here for like two minutes. I can't stay in here any longer. And then I literally got out and then I made myself go back in and I was able to do it for 10 minutes and then gradually increased. And it had nothing to do with the heat in the sauna because I'm always cold. So being somewhere that's heated is something that's welcome, but it's important to slow our minds down. And the reason Mm -hmm. I love mindfulness is because there's a a ton of research that has actually shown changes in your brain, brain waves of those individuals that do mindfulness. And my son actually went to this colleague of mine who's a really good friend, and he like has done mindfulness all over the world. And my son was able to get to a more relaxed state than I've, I still haven't made it to that level. Mm. But when you do that, it's just so helpful because when you're stressed and something hits you, then you have, that's a tool that you have to help yourself relax. And I think the key to some of this stuff is doing it when we're not stressed. Because when Mm -hmm. we are stressed, if I'm upset about something, it's going to be harder for me to calm myself down um, and try to learn these tools. But if I do it when I'm in a good place and I'm just 10 minutes a day, just do it in the shower, come home from work, take a few minutes, cut the lights off and just be present where you are for 10 minutes. We don't have to do now. Ideally, you want to do more than that and to really have a true mindfulness session It is probably 45 minutes to an hour, but we need to find ways to integrate it into our day. So those are, you know, a couple of things. The last thing I want to say is just recognizing how your thoughts impact your feelings and behaviors. So the way Mm -hmm. you think about something is going to significantly impact how you look at it and how you behave. So I'll give you a real quick analogy. So say we're, I see you two at the mall and I don't wave or speak to you. If you say, Dr. Angela saw us and she did not wave at us, she didn't say hello, then you're probably going to be angry with me. You're going to be upset. Feelings might be hurt. But if you, what evidence do you have that I saw you? Yeah, you don't, you don't know whether I saw you or not. So if we tell our minds, if you say she probably didn't even see us, just think of the difference by changing how you view that up here, how Mm -hmm. your behaviors and feelings are going to change. And again, it's not like having this life is like unicorns and rainbows, but it's like, what evidence do I have to support that thought? And that would take a little more work, you know, with a a therapist to kind of get to that point. But it's just thinking about how you interpret things. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dr. Angela, that was great. And I wanted to follow that up with you, Nina, to talk about when you're not in the shower uh, doing your morning routine. (laughs) You know, how do we prioritize our mental health and how do we prioritize finding those moments for mindfulness? I know you're a very busy, busy person. So how do you kind of manage to make mental health a priority in your life? I am not good at self-care for the most part. I think Mm -hmm. my self-care is like kind of like how Dr. Angela described. I'm usually so deplenished that I needed some Mm -hmm. grand thing, which means I need to be away from my kids and husband for like a few days. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But I have learned to incorporate more practical things into my routine, which is yoga for me. Um, it, mm-hmm. Yoga, what it does is it kind of incorporates all of the things Dr. Angela was talking about into one. There's a lot of mindfulness practices in yoga. There's a lot of breathing practices in yoga. And it also allows me to stop thinking about what I'm doing next in the schedule um, and really focus on my movements and my breathing and um, the practice in itself. And so that's a really, really big one for me. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I like to do is just ask for help and ask for support when I need help and support. That's another big thing that a lot of people struggle with, especially moms and young professionals um, asking yeah. for help and delegating is something we kind of struggle with often. So for so many of us, that means um, being vulnerable and um, accepting help from from people who support you and love you. And so that was a huge one for me. And also not trying to do everything all at once, I think, is in managing expectations. Um, just mm-hmm. prioritizing the things that are most important, obviously. Um, and, and it doesn't always have to be the same thing. So whatever needs your attention most at that time, then focus on that. Um, not trying to get through a a to-do list, um, all of the time, but getting the things on the list that need to get done, done, um, at that time is, 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 is a good way to focus and narrow in on something without feeling too overwhelmed. Um, and, and just managing your expectations, taking time to sit and eat lunch are simple things that you can do in your day rather than eating in the shower. So, (laughs) so there are many things that I like to incorporate that don't seem like really big things that, but they're very valuable to me and my mental health and wellness. I also see a therapist. So that's also something that you can do is seek out professional support and help. It doesn't have to be like something really terrible and awful going on. Um, Sometimes, honestly, me sitting with my therapist is time for me to just sit there. And sometimes I'm like, I'm sorry, my brain is not working anymore today, but I'm here. And so I'm holding space (laughs) for myself. And this is my self-care hour. And um, that's going to have to be enough where I don't have to think about other things and I'm not on the phone answering calls or, or text messages or trying to figure out what kind of picture I can post on Instagram. Yeah. There are many things that practical things we can do in our day that I also do. Yeah. 
when you said ask for help, it's huge because I saw something online today that was like, healing in isolation is not healing. No. <laughs> because, and like doing you in isolation is not helping anybody. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think ask for help is huge, especially for Black women who so often are taking on everything on their own. Absolutely. I wondered, you know, what were some of those moments that sparked your passion for mental health and advocacy and for creating spaces like these workshops? Like if you could think back, what were kind of the moments where you're like, I I kind of want to put more energy into this and this is important to me? You know what? That's a, it's a really good question. I feel like it's kind of like a very similar answer for so many of us uh, mental health practitioners. I think you have to really, really love what you do. You have to really love people and you have to love connecting with people um, because mm-hmm. it's really hard work. And you, it, there isn't always some grand reward, right? We get aha moments mm-hmm. um, every now and again, but there's so much work that goes in this type of work in between. But for me, I think that wanting to help people was the big motivating factor for me. I love learning about people and discovering new things and growing as an individual and I feel like the best way to do that is through connecting with others and sharing knowledge and learning from others who've done things already before and just trying to help support other people yeah. spread knowledge and create new tools like the workshop, how to mentally thrive as a competitive athlete and just reach different communities and make mental health more relatable for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as Nina stated, a lot of us in the mental health field have that desire to help people. And it's kind of been who we were. And I've kind of been that person that people shared stuff with like all the time and just, you know, had, you know, as I did have a significant situation um, that happened to me when I was in high school. And I just remember people saying, you know, get over it. Like I lost you know, my first boyfriend and they were like, get over it, get over it. And I was like, okay, if I could, like I would. And I almost like flunked out of school. Like I had a really Mm -hmm. rough junior year and that was kind of my first, you know, thing. And I, I didn't go to therapy. Like I did basically have to get myself together. Senior year I did and was able to put the pieces back together. And then the other thing that happened was professional athlete. Um, Michael Vick had gotten into the situation he had gotten into. My son was very little, loved, loved, loved him. And I walk into the room and the trial's on and he's just crying. And he was like, why is everybody saying all these bad things about him? Why? And he just didn't understand. And then I got a lot of people saying, why would he do that? Why would he make a different choices? And I'm like, Think life's not that simple. We grow right. up how we grow up. We're exposed to certain things and those things don't change because we get zeros behind our names. And so I got really passionate about people saying such negative things about athletes. And that's kind of how I got into that realm. I was like, I want to do my part to help these young athletes have the tools to kind of handle these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of it was just kind of seeing like my son at such a young age being so upset, like by something like that and the stuff that he was hearing. And I also think being a mom, I was like, I want you. So when I work with collegiate or professional athletes, I kind of have 
that perspective that I want to be that support system that I would want somebody to do for my own child. And so I think I'm just so passionate about wanting to help them. And I'm like, they've made it. The professional athlete, you've made it. But I want you to have longevity. I want you to keep making it. I don't want you to get tripped up by some of these things that are tripping you up. I want to give you that support. And as Nina stated, it's definitely a situation where we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and like people don't know because it's not Mm -hmm. like I would be like, Hey, yeah, you know, I told him, you know, what to do. That's <laughs> to why get he's it on that court today. Like, yeah. and I don't care about that. Like, I could care less. My reward is if I know that I've talked to this person or that person and they do go out there and I can tell they're focused and they're having a great, you know, performance because this other stuff isn't pulling them down. That's my reward. Like, that, that's all, all that I need. And I, I do. I love, love, love what I do. And, you know, I'm just so thankful that I am able to be in this this situation and, you know, that I've been blessed to be able to hopefully impact, you know, lives. Yeah. Um, the last couple of questions, Nina, I did want to touch on your card game. Mm-hmm. Do tell and, you know, what you ex- hope people experience. It's. I think it's funny that you know, working with competitive athletes and then creating a game where there's maybe no win or way to win <laughs> is just a funny, a funny thing. But yeah, I did want to hear about um, your thought process making that game and what you hope people will take away from it. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to make a fun game that people can connect over, that mm-hmm. they can grow over and they can learn. Research shows that the more that we connect, the the healthier um, we are socially and emotionally. And the whole point of the game was to create questions and have people really think about certain things, reflect on their own lives and really get an understanding of what types of things make them go, what their traditions and values are, um, and have fun and learn more about their friends and their their family or their partners without it feeling so intense. It's everyone Mm -hmm. loves a game. Everyone loves to have fun and everyone like loves to learn something new about someone else or even learn something different and new about yourself that you hadn't thought about before. For example, one of the questions um, I like to use as an example is like, who do you call first when you um, have good news? And then who do you call first when you have bad news? And by answering that question, there are so many things as a therapist that I could draw from that answer, right? If I'm yeah. really thinking deeply about it, um, someone, whoever you call about bad news, you feel very open and vulnerable with that person. You know that they're not going to judge you. You know that you can trust they're going to give you sound advice. And whoever you call with good news is has its implications, Right. So these are like things mm-hmm. that we're learning. We learn about each other and learn about ourselves that help us move forward in our growth and connection and along our own journeys and relationships as we move forward. And it's fun. And every time we've played it, I've played it with many different groups of people and everyone is like, we all want to answer the same question. And I'm like, no, you can't change the rules to the game. <laughs> we'll be here all night. This is how it works. Follow the rules. Yes. <laughs> but um, there's something about being vulnerable in a group with other people that just completely accelerates the amount of closeness and connection 
that you have with that, with that person or those other people in that group. So, yeah. Amazing. The final question we really have is, you know, what would you say to individuals who are hesitant in seeking help for their mental health? And what advice would you have for individuals as they look to cultivate a positive mindset and improve their overall well-being? I think to those individuals that are hesitant, um, I think I would say, you know, you're not necessarily hesitant to go to the doctor if like you're not feeling well. So why mm -hmm. would you not why would you treat your mental wellness and your mental health any differently? It's a part of who you are. And again, our minds and our brains are the control centers of our body. So we want to make sure that this is straight. So don't hesitate again, like go and, and seek assistance. And I always talk about adding tools to your toolbox. So add some tools. See, we can all grow. I love Nina's card game. And I love what she said about how you learn things about yourself. Because when you're asked that question, we don't often think about that. And you probably mm -hmm. are going to automatically go, well, I go to the same person. And then you think about it and you're like, no, I go to two different people if something's good and something's bad. And so yeah. I think it's just so important to learn more about ourselves. And I think it was DeMar DeRozan who said, don't ever apologize for wanting to be a better you. And like all seeking help does is helps you become a better you. And why mm -hmm. would you not want to do that? And so I think flipping yeah. it into that positive mindset is what I would say to them. That's great. Nina, anything to add? There's so many online resources. Uh, not only do we have mental health workshops on that you can find on BeneByNina.com, there are many other people um, out there doing very similar things. And right now, health, mental health and wellness through technology is the most popular tool. That's how people are receiving their mental health resources. And so you can pretty much go to any trusted online website. And if you're looking to just cultivate a positive, healthy mindset, you have to utilize those tools. You have to utilize the, the wellness tools, uh, whichever those, those are that you're choosing. Um, it's one thing to know that you want to grow and, and have a healthy mindset. I think that the part that really makes it come to fruition is to turn that into action. And so uh, utilizing the tools, like Dr. Angela said, like this, using the sauna or exercising. And like I said, doing yoga or practicing mindfulness, um, these are tools that are accessible to you. And if you want to cultivate a healthier, positive mindset, um, utilize the tools available to you. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Nina Westbrook and Dr. Angela Charlton. This episode was scripted, edited, and mastered by our friends at Edit Audio and produced by Jen Snyder, Abby Stone, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. As always, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Maggie Domenico, and our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.